0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, man. Well, tonight, we're going to talk about turning hopeless situations around. Turning hopeless situations around. I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore where I got my title from. I don't know if we got that one on there or not. Was it, was you able to pull that up, Heather? turning hopeless situations around. The title of this book and this message is going to be in line with that. But i got another book out of there, too, called How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. And the principles that I'm going to be teaching tonight are actually in this book here listed out pretty well, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. And, you know, when I think about when I think about uh, the things I've learned in the last 40 years of living for Jesus, you know, people don't realize how much their faith has to do With God doing what He wants to do in our lives. You know, write a couple verses that I want to give you. This is not going to be in the sermon I preach, but a couple verses you need to know. Luke 1.37 says, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. How many believe that? That with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'll I'll tell you what, I do want you to open up this verse, so we'll go ahead and look at it. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And, you know, Luke 1.37, where the Bible says that with God nothing shall be impossible, and everybody in here agreed with that, right? Amen, because in the Bible you believe that, but then look at verse 23. Of Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to who? All things are possible to who? Him that believeth, Amen. There's the God part, and there's the man part, and so you know that kind, of, that kind of puts some responsibility for things we need on our end. God does His part, but then we got our part. There's always the God part, and there's the man part to receive from God. And I think about I think about uh, becoming born again, to become a born again Christian. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, "Whosoever shall call." Upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him, whosoever believeth in Him, whosoever believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it's one thing to agree with your head, and say, I believe in God, but it's another thing to believe in your heart, and then say, I want God. Amen. And so it says, all things are possible to him that believeth, and that means that whatever it is in life that you may be looking at, God's ready to do something, then God's waiting on you to do something. It just takes a little bit of faith to grab a hold of God and get miracles in your life. Amen. That's not to say that sometimes God doesn't sovereignly move. Sometimes God just does things because He's God, but most of the time, God expects something out of the human race. Expect us to do something. Mrs. Pastor the other day was reminding me something of our Bible readings last month. We read a lot of Psalms. Did you guys read a lot of Psalms last month with us? Well, she was talking about in one of the Psalms, it talks about that creation cries out and preaches that there is a God. Says the stars preach of his wonder, his glory. The seas tell of his majesty. The trees, everything cries out that we didn't get her by ourselves. God put us here. And then in Romans chapter 1, says the same thing. Creation cries out and preaches that God's real. And so whether a person is a church person or not, God's everywhere all the time speaking, talking, moving on people, letting them know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, amen? But anyway, tonight we're going to look at turning hopeless situations around like the title of that book is. And I want you then, as we're in the book of Mark, this is where we're going to be looking at tonight. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to look. This is one of my favorite stories to teach from the Bible. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Would you there say amen. All right. Mark chapter 5 says that a certain woman <clears throat> which had an issue of blood 12 years. That's called having female troubles. That's sometimes, sometimes ladies go through things the guys don't know about. And it's embarrassing. It's troublesome. It's, uh, irritating. I know because I've, I've got three daughters, a wife and lots of daughter-in-laws. I know that sometimes go through things and it's not, it's not pleasant to go through life like that. But said this woman had this female trouble for 12 years. How many know that sometimes problems hang on and they don't leave? For 12 years she had this problems. Says she suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had. Spent all that she had. The woman was broke. They didn't have health care insurance back then. You paid for it yourself. And so she spent all of her money for 12 years, spent all of her money, went to all these doctors everywhere, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And you know, I don't know about you, but I've been, I've been through things in life where I've done all I knew to do, and then I hear about, hey, over here, they got the answer, this worked for them. So you run over there. And the answer really wasn't there. You thought it was. And you spent more money and you're more broke than ever. And you know, if you don't know how to manage money, if you're you're not a wise, wise Christian believer, you borrow more money. And so you're getting more into debt, excuse me, more into debt. But since she was nothing better, 12 years, sicker and sicker, more doctors, more doctors. If they did lab work, more lab work, more lab work. I know what needles are. I experienced those a few years ago. And so she doing all these things. I want you to see the hopelessness of it all. Went for 12 years and then ran out of money. And so here she is bankrupt. As she's sicker than what she was, she started 12 years ago. Now she's even sicker just 12 years later. And so I want to get this picture across to you from the Bible that there may be things you're facing in life and not necessarily health things. They might be family problems. They might be career problems. It could be health problems. But the bottom line is, sometimes in life you could, you try everything. And you know, back then it would it would it would have set up today's talk. She went on Facebook, to see how many likes she could get. She went on Google. She Googled. She Facebooked. She did all she could do, and kept on getting worse and worse. How many day you know, people go on? Facebook and think, man, if I can get hundred thousand likes, everything will change. That doesn't change anything. Or go on Google. And like I said the other day, Google's not God. Google's Google, and Google is only good as the information that people at Google put in there. And they may not—they they may not put Bible answers in there. That's why I would—if I had a health problem, which I had a couple years ago—I would never go to Google for help. man or O oh me. And so I want you to look now. I want you to look at verse 34. We're going to go back and go through this woman's life in a minute. But verse 34, here's the end of her story. Here's her testimony. And he, Jesus, said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And so I read the end of this before we go into it. So you see this, the answer was her faith. All things are possible to her that believeth. Jesus didn't say, I've made you whole, which of course the answer came from Jesus, but he said, your faith made you whole. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as her faith would make her whole, would get the answer. Money couldn't get the answer. Doctors didn't have the answer. People didn't have the answer. But Jesus said the answer was in your very own faith. And you know, I like to say it this way, because the Bible teaches us that God's no respecter of persons, then if her faith in God would get her a miracle, then that means your faith in God. My faith in God can get me a miracle. And so, because the Bible always, always explains what it is going on in context of what you're reading, well, we're going to look at a few verses here and see what her faith was that really worked. Because a lot of people say things, I, I, I talked about this this morning, they, say, so they keep saying, uh, Virginia's got to have faith, got to have faith. Well, that's what they say, got to have faith. But I know when I was a new Christian, people told me, you got to have faith. I thought, man, I don't know anything about this faith. I, I, was, I was just a lost person, a sinner out there in the world. Uh, I knew about drinking. I knew about fornicating. As was a sinner. All those kind of things. People don't know God. They do those things. I did all those things. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't go to church. But when I got born again, started going to church, the people said, you gotta have faith. And I thought, duh, that's why I'm here. Somebody show me how. They didn't teach me how to have faith. And so I learned how to have this kind of faith, not just tell somebody going through a hard time. That's in the prayers, huh? Sending prayers to you, hun. That's another goofy thing about Facebook too I don't like. You don't send prayers, you don't send prayers to hun. You send prayers to God. And the God sends answers to hun. I'm no better preacher than you are shouting. Amen. Why am I going to send prayers to you if you can't even answer your prayers? I'm going to send prayers to God. He can answer them, and then he can help you. Amen. So if you're a Facebook person that likes to send prayers to Hun, just kind of change how you're sending. Send them up to heaven to the Father in the name of Jesus. Then God will take care of Hun. Amen. That's good preaching, I thought. And so, anyway, I want to say this, that if her faith can make her whole, then God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Doesn't make any difference what color you are, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, if you're nothing and could care less, if you have faith in Jesus, you can get answers from God. Amen. And so let's go back and read this lady's story now. And so it said her faith made her whole. And so, we go down to verse 25, 26. The woman was sick for 12 years, really seriously sick, and she went broke. And then verse 27, it says, when she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press, or that means the crowd, she came in the crowd behind, touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she healed of that plague. And so in these few verses right here, is the answer, of how faith in Jesus will turn any hopeless situation around, no matter what it is, faith in Jesus. And so number one, it says when she had heard of Jesus, and so she had went for all all these 12 years from doctor to doctor, and she told her story to everybody she could tell. she came come up and say, hey, Leah, Leah, I need help. Can you tell me what to do? And then Leah says, you know what? I know so-and-so had that same problem. They went to this doctor down here at Victorville. And this doctor at Victorville really helped her run to Victorville. And then get down there, left there, more broke and worse. And then talk to somebody else and say, Maxine, Maxine, I've been, I've been running all the... What, what can I do? She said, you know what? i found about a doctor down in Ontario. Get on down to Ontario. They'll help you. <clears throat> get to Ontario. Spent more money. Came back worse. Rosalinda, Rosalinda, hey, you know what think? And then finally, uh, Facebook friends, somebody help me, some, some, somebody messaged me, help me. What can I do? Well, I'll tell you what, I found this thing on Amazon Prime. They delivered it overnight. It's a pill they use on animals, but I heard people have been using it. Well, you know, when people get desperate, they'll do anything. They'll do anything, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So in other words, she ran to everybody for answer, and finally, it says, she heard of Jesus. <clears throat> I want you to look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, as you hold your place in Mark chapter 5. But look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And I want to say that again. This is, is talk about, about a health issue. But this will work for family things. Cause faith is faith. Faith in God is faith in God. And God's got the answer for family problems, money problems, bringing up children problems, whatever it is, God has the answer right here in the pages of the B-I-B-L-E. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing And hearing by the word of God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the living word of God. He is the word. And the Bible has the words of Jesus. The Bible has the words of God. And remember, all things are possible to him or her that believeth. Well, believing is having faith. If you believe something, you have faith in it. And then this woman, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Well, the very first thing that she did that started her faith walk, and she wasn't on a faith walk before, she was on a seeking walk. She was searching, she was seeking, trying to get help, but wasn't in the right places. There were good places, but not right places. And so finally, it says she heard of Jesus, the Son of God, the living Word, the one the Bible's all about, and when she heard of Jesus, Faith cometh by, what's to say? Hearing. She heard. So for the first time, for the first time, the God kind of faith, spiritual faith, was sparked in her heart. You know, it's one thing to have faith, you know, something, something, I'm talking about natural faith. Everybody, saved and unsaved, no matter what religion they are, or whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, everybody has faith in something. And, I, you know, just one, one thing I think of, how many here work for a job somewhere and give you some kind of paycheck? How many have ever on your job went in and maybe maybe sometimes you had a company or something, had a, had a payroll glitch where maybe you missed a paycheck, but you have one coming? Does that ever happened to anybody besides me when I was out there in the work world? Sometimes things happen and your check is delayed. Now everything's automatic deposit. But sometimes the deposit might be delayed Or sometimes something happened where the company went through a little bit of mini crisis where some big customer funds were held up for a week or two or three and then money had to show up. Well, you kept on coming the next week and clocking in and the next week and clocking in because you had natural faith in these people that they was going to do what they said they'd do. So you kept on working even in spite of a paycheck because you had faith in what they said that we're going to make this good, we're going to make it right. Well, this woman... Heard of Jesus. And when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everywhere Jesus went, crowds were getting healed. People were getting healed. And so that woman finally got the right information that there's a miracle worker in town. Amen. And so she heard of that. And when she heard of that, her faith shifted from a doctor or a medical cure. Her faith shifted to a spiritual answer. To the Son of God. To the miracle worker. To the one that can really do miracles. So all of a sudden, she had faith in Jesus. And I want to show you how her faith did work. <clears throat> Back to Mark chapter 5. The first thing was, she changed her source of information to Jesus. Instead of running around to natural things. And it says, when she heard of Jesus... She came in the crowd behind and touched his garment. She came in the crowd and touched his garment. If you don't know a little bit about the Bible or Middle East culture, we know more about Middle East culture today than we did when I got saved 40 years ago. We didn't know anything about everything over the Middle East, about how bad they treated women, what outcast women were in society over there. But back in Jesus' days, it was the same Middle East as it is now. They got a different culture. For one thing, for one thing, still even in some Muslim countries, women still can't come out in public without a man. They gotta keep their faces covered up. They're not welcome in crowds unless they got a man that stands for them, that she's with him under his covering. And so this woman was not supposed to be in public without a man. She was a woman. So that crowd there was around Jesus and women weren't welcome. That was against the Jewish religion. And then number two, number two, women that had a bleeding problem were the same category as a leper. And when you read about leprosy in the Old Testament, lepers had to stay separate from the people. They were in isolation. And the Old Testament law was, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are still under the Old Testament because until Jesus died, was raised from the dead, that's still Old Testament things. Then when Jesus came, remember communion, first communion, Lord's supper. This is the New Testament in my blood. Well, when the New Testament was first celebrated, that's because the blood of Jesus was shed, and so this was still Old Testament. And when you re- when you read the book of Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus down through there, people that had leprosy could be stoned to death if they come in contact with other people. So a person was a leper. If a person was a leper that was in the crowd that the Jewish law was stone them to death because they're unclean, they can't be here. Well, also the Jewish law teaches that a woman that had a bleeding problem was a category of a leper. And if you knew this woman had female problems, and she's in the crowd, they thought that was a disease that would be contagious. They had to stone the woman to death. And so what I want you to see is how faith works. This woman... Had been running around for 12 years trying to get the answers, and then she found out the answer is this man from Galilee over here. He's at her, all these crowds are gathered around him. He's preaching about God, about healing, about the things of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm a woman, and if I get close to that crowd, somebody recognizes me, and I don't holler unclean because a leper a woman with that condition had to holler unclean to warn people and get around me. If I get around that crowd and some of these people who know what I've got, see me, then I can get stoned to death right there. I don't have to worry about the disease. The disease is bad, but getting stoned to death would be worse. That wasn't the answer she wanted. Or at the same time being a woman. And so this woman, to work her way through the crowd, probably had to get down her hands and needs to crawl through the crowd to get past those men and get through there without getting killed. And so I'm talking about, thy faith hath made thee whole. What are your obstacles that you have to overcome to get to Jesus? That takes faith to take a chance. Amen amen I think I think about you know different different things you know people going through crisis of life sometimes might have to take a day or two off of work to come to special church services. that takes faith to turn down some money to come to a church service where you know there's a man or a woman of God that has a message from God. I know I need to hear it, and so i i've got to, I've got to come through the obstacles to get to where it's at or it might have to be sometimes. Might have to be hired a babysitter or something to get to a special seminar you need to go to. You know, in other words, what I'm saying, faith sometimes costs you something. And you know, something I didn't know when I was a new Christian that I know now, but I've learned more about faith, how faith works. Faith, faith is easy for me. I've lived this so many years. I just do things. I don't even think about it. I, I function out of my spirit. Do you know that you're a spirit being and you live in a physical body? that your mind is not your spirit, but your mind is part of your your spiritual, physical life. And as your spirit knows what to do, sometimes you have to override your mind. And you have to make your your body do things it doesn't want to do to follow after God. So sometimes you have to make choices that aren't pleasant choices, but they're right choices. Sometimes you have to cut off friendships. I had to cut off a lot of things when I got born again to follow Jesus because I didn't want to be around the drinkers anymore. Like I said this morning, I used to drink Budweiser. We had a joke, man, uh, that that this beer made Budweiser. Didn't make me wiser. Made me dumber. Now I went from Budweiser to Miller High Life. I found out the Miller High Life might have been the champagne of bottled beers, but it wasn't the champagne of my life. Miller High Life gave me the low life. That's so all of my friends were drinkers, so I had to walk the other direction. It wasn't pleasant when people start stoning you with the words, "Amen." People start putting doubt on your friend, your friends, that your buddies with your family, your relatives. <clears throat> they don't they don't want to hang around you anymore. They start telling you, "Goody goody, two shoes." Oh, you're too good to be around your friends now, huh? Oh, well, I got new friends now because you guys here are going to pull me back under, and I know what that's like. I don't want to go back anymore. And so I'm saying this faith in God puts the decision on you. God tells you what to do, and sometimes it's not easy to do. <clears throat> so when you shut things off, when you make decisions, financial decisions, sometimes you start becoming you're a Christian, you start tithing. You want to write out 10% check to God, give God 10%. Sometimes that's a difficult thing to do because you think, well, all the, all, all the friends that meet down at the bowling alley and they're my bowling alley money. Or everybody meets down the such such every, man, we do that, we do this every week. We always meet and I always spend about $50 there. And sometimes you have to shut off where you're spending money, start sh- sh- channeling money to the kingdom of God. You start heading a different direction. What I'm saying is this, this woman overcome obstacles. She had to make a choice. I'm going to take a chance, I'm going to go through this crowd, I know the answer's there, whatever it takes, I'm going to get to the answer. And so faith is a decision. How bad do you want the answer? Do you really believe that Jesus has the answer? And, of course, we know today that Jesus does not live in a physical earth suit down here on earth. He's in heaven at the right hand of God. But Jesus lives, the Bible tells us, in his spiritual body. And his spiritual body is you and me. We are the body of Christ. And we know that he gave us preachers and Bible teachers and men and women down here on earth with special gifts to explain the Bible to us. To help us understand the Bible. People that would... Know the Holy Spirit to be able to know what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, wants to say to me. And so to get to Jesus, like she got to Jesus, sometimes you have to, if you have to, you have to crawl to church. You have to say no to some fun things sometimes to get to the good things that are really going to help you. You know, I remember back when, when we were first in the ministry and things. My family back in Indiana, that's where I came from, had a big family reunion once a year. Had old grandma getting up around in her 90s, man. No, grandma's not going to be around forever. Grandma's going to die. My parents, my aunts and uncles, everybody, man, they're all in their 80s and they're things like that. You know, as the family goes on, they held the blasted family reunion on Sunday. Well, that was the one day of the week that I gave to God all the way because I was the preacher. And so my whole family started stoning me. Man, your grandma and your mom are not going to be around here forever. I said, guys, don't you know there's a Saturday also? Well, Saturday is recovery day from Friday night for most of them. They said, Saturday's our day to rest. And I said, well, you guys work Monday through Friday, but my big work day's Sunday. I said, and God's my boss. And I said, I can't tell God. I'm going to a family reunion with all the boozers. i going to leave the church hanging. And so I said, I said, I'll tell you what, if you want me to take off my main work day, why don't you take off your main work day? They'll start having it on Fridays. I said, why don't you just take off on payday? We'll have family reunion then. No, we can't do that. I said, well, I'm not going to take off my job either. I said, I've got to serve God's people. That's how it is. And it wasn't pleasant for all the all the talk. I mean, people talk bad enough about me anyway. But it wasn't pleasant because God's more real to me than what people are. Does that mean I didn't love people? I preach most of their funerals now. <laughs> I did their funerals because I'm the pastor of the family. I did all that. But the whole thing was what I'm telling you is this. That faith always has to make a decision. Are you a man pleaser? Are you a Jesus pleaser? Man doesn't have the answers. Jesus has the answers. And so this woman did all she knew to do after she found out about Jesus that he had the answer. Man, she was tired of being sick for twelve years. She didn't like being broke because the Bible tells the truth, said she spent all that she had. You know, in modern talk I call that broke. The woman was broke. Heard of Jesus, so she said, man, that's enough. I have had all I can take of this life. i got to get to where the answer is. And life is so miserable, if these people kill me, they kill me. But i got to get to Jesus because life's not worth living anyway unless I get a turnaround. Has anybody here ever been to a place in life where you thought, man, the only way to get out of this misery would be to go to heaven, but I don't want to go to heaven yet. I've been there before. I've been there before where I, I didn't want to go to heaven right now. Somebody says, you don't want to go to heaven? Yeah, I want to go to heaven, just not today. You know, I got things, I, I got things I need to do and people to help. And so this woman heard of Jesus and then she came to Jesus. And I want, I want you to look at James chapter one, hold your place there and look at verse 22. James chapter one, verse 22. And this is going to help you to know how to turn hopeless situations around. And, you know, I always like to say it this way. Even if you're not in a hopeless situation right now, I can practically guarantee you that somebody in your realm of influence, if they're not right now, they will be, and you can give them the answer. You can preach this sermon to them when I'm preaching tonight. You can take these books that I showed you from the bookstore, and you can buy those books and study them yourself, and then take them to your friends that need help and show them what to do. How many are on the same page of me believe that Jesus is the answer? I believe that Jesus can do anything that people will let Him do. Now see, the whole key is all things are possible to him or her that believeth. And so if we believeth that these things are possible, then we've got to get these answers to the people that need answers so then faith to them will cometh by hearing. Hearing the Word of God you share with them. So it's always so important to write these verses down. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be you doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. How many here are hearers of the word? Are you here tonight? And what are you hearing? Hear the word of God. What did Romans 10, 17 say happens when you hear the word? Faith cometh. So you're hearing the word of God tonight. That means faith is coming. So he says, be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So be doers of the word means you put action with the word. You know, let's just say, for example, you're in a church service like this, and like I was back in, in 1979, 1980, and I knew in my heart I need to get right with God. And so knowing it in my heart wasn't enough to get me right with God. Romans ten thirteen says I got to call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, I've got to pray the sinner's prayer and got to say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins, Jesus, come into my heart. I had to do something to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. There's how many countless millions of people maybe in the world today in America that here in churches like this are here for Christians like you on the workplace. Family members tell them you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need, you need to get Jesus in your heart. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is God's son for God so loved the world that he gave Easter eggs. No, God's so the love of the world. We celebrate Easter now, the resurrection, because of what took place. And you want to color up eggs, nothing wrong with that. You want to have jelly beans, nothing wrong with that. But those don't get you to heaven, nor your children to heaven. It's God's so the love of the world. He gave his only begotten son. And so it's one thing to know that, to be a hearer. It's another thing to do that. And so with this James 1.22, I always like to say it this way, paraphrased, it's not what you hear and know. It's what you know and do that gets results. It's what you know and do that gets results. This woman heard of Jesus and so she did something about it. She came to Jesus. She put some activity with her believing. He said, your faith has made you whole. The woman just didn't stay at home. And say, oh, I'm just hoping and praying. Oh, I just hope someday Jesus will come to my house. I hope someday that Jesus will just come knocking on my door. I hope that Jesus will touch me. Oh, I just hope that Jesus will touch me. Oh, I just hope Jesus will do something. Well, Jesus could only be at one place at one time then because he lived in that earth suit. And so the presence of Jesus was with Jesus. And so she wanted to get to where the healing anointing was. That means the power of God. She wanted to get to where the power of God was. She had to put some feet steps with her praying. And so she went to where the power was. And today that'd be equivalent of getting a church that preaches the word. Amen. Or it might be, I know we have a very, we have a lot of very strong believers in this church. Men, women, boys and girls. That carry the presence of Jesus. And they carry the word of God. Our church is starting some things called lift Group. We've had them for a while, but we're getting bigger on it in a couple of weeks where we have lift Group where people are actually meeting in houses for Bible study and fellowship. As special things in houses. And so it might be, it might be that you know somebody that, you know, they won't come to church, but you get them to a house. Amen. That's the same thing as the woman With the female problems, getting the presence of Jesus where Jesus was at then, to get the presence of Jesus where he's at today. He's everywhere. But it's especially easy to come into contact with what you need from him if you're around people that know him and walk with him and talk about him and know how to show you the Bible. And so this woman came to Jesus and James 1.22 says, if you don't do what you know to do, then you're in self-deception. And you know, one thing i learned over the years as a Christian, I've seen time and time and time and time again. Of course, I know a lot more now than I knew 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I was a new Christian, and I knew nothing. But then I started going to church all the time, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, going to special services, and I learned more and more and more and more over the years. But one thing I see that is so sad, and it's really, it really is sad, we get super spooked Christians. What are super spooked Christians? That's the ones that want to go around rebuking the devil all the time, with the whole the whole problem is right on the other side of the mirror. When they look in the mirror, there's the problem. They're their own enemy. Because he says right here, if you don't do what you know to do, you're self-deception. Isn't that what it says? Look at that again. Look at James 1.22 again. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. And you know, an example, that's on tithing. It's such an easy example to use because money's got such a stronghold in so many people's minds, they can't let loose of it so God can bless them. Somebody thinking, oh God, bless my money, bless my money, bless my money. Oh God, bless my money, bless my money. And God says, well, I can't bless it because you've got too tight a hold on it. That's called self-deception. God says, give me 10%. And I'll bless your 90%. In other words, God says, you let loose, you let loose of that ten dollars, and that ninety dollars you got left out of the hundred be blessed ninety. The Malachi chapter three says, if you hold on to that hundred, then there's a curse on the hundred. He says, Give me ten, and ninety percent's blessed. And then they come in the prayer line. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. We're having serious financial trouble have a serious financial trouble. And as a seasoned pastor, I'm not afraid to talk to people about money. And so when they tell me about the serious financial trouble, the first thing I say as a spiritual man of God that helps people, the first thing I say is this, not being nosy, but i got to know how to pray. There's two different ways to pray for people in the church and money problems. first thing I say is this, I say, are you a consistent tither? Do you give 10% to God? And they say, yes, I say, that makes it so easy to pray for you that your money's blessed and Satan has no right. He has no right to steal from you. He has no right to take your money. He has no right to attack your family because God says the windows of heaven are open on your finances as a tither. God says he rebukes the devourer for you. But then they say, no, pastor, uh, not a tither. I just really, I just haven't got to that yet. I just, I just, I just can't do it yet. I say that's okay, God's full of mercy. I said I could pray for you a different way then, as you're not a tither yet, because Malachi chapter three says because you withheld the tithe, you're cursed with a curse. Well, we're not under the curse that's on the human race as Christians. We got the blessing of God in our lives because we're born again, we've got eternal life. But on our finances and on our affairs of life, there's a curse out there what attack everybody. And so when they say, I'm not a tither, I say. Don't worry about it. Don't feel condemnation. Let me pray for you. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for mercy on this home. I ask for mercy on these finances, Lord. I just pray in the name of Jesus for your blessing to work here, Lord, and help them till they get that place where they're tithing. Help them, Lord. Give them favor. Cause things to work right. But see, the thing is, when a person doesn't tithe and withholds from God, according to James one twenty-two, there's self-deception they wasn't the blessing of God, but not do not what they know the Bible says to do. And so we need to come out of self-deception so this woman knew Jesus was anointed with healing power. And so she would have just stayed home and done nothing. she had been a self-deception then because she didn't do what she could have done. See, the thing is, we always do what we can do, and then God does what we can't do. My son David got healed of leukemia, got uh, his legs healed from crippled. I did what I knew to do. We prayed, did our part, did the doctor stuff, and all we did, God healed him. A couple of years ago when I had the cancer and, and the heart attack and all I knew to do, I did the praying part, did medical part, did the praying part, and God did what I couldn't do. God healed my blood. God healed my heart. But we always have to do something what we know to do. And so I know that for me, I got anointed with all. In the name of the Lord by the elders of this church, they prayed the prayer of faith over me that I went through treatments. But I did what I knew to do. And so the whole thing is there's always something that you can do as a step of faith. You've got to do something as a step of faith when you're believing God do something. God will always put something in your heart you can do. You might have a relationship that needs restored. You might have a very close family member you haven't talked to for some time because of stupid stuff. And most of the time it's so stupid you can't remember what it was. You just know, we haven't talked for years. Why haven't we talked for years? I can't remember. It was stupid. We haven't talked for years. And then God said, you're praying. You're saying, God, I I I, I, I want my family back. I want restoration. I want things to be where they were. And then in your heart, in your heart, you see yourself making a phone call or sending a card are doing something to initiate the process. And God will bless what you do. But if you don't do that and you know in your heart, I need to be the first one to reach out. And you may have been the one that did not even cause the situation. You may have been the one in the early stages did everything you could to get it right, they just wouldn't take your phone calls, wouldn't answer your text, wouldn't do with you, as went off so long now that it's just Just terrible. But then God puts it in your heart, reach back out, reach back out. Well, if you don't, and that relationship never gets restored, it wasn't God's fault. He showed you something to do. And then because he put it in your heart to do something, that he was going to bless what you did. And so this woman came to Jesus. And then she got her answer. But I want you to keep on looking then back to Mark chapter 5. It says, verse 27, she heard, she came. But then verse 28 says, for she said, with her mouth, she expressed her faith. She said, with words out of her mouth, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. The Amplified Bible says, she said and kept saying. She said and kept saying. When I touch Jesus, I'll be healed. When I touch Jesus, I'll be healed. When I touch Jesus, I'll be healed. Says she kept saying, when I touch Jesus, I'll be healed. Keep it in mind that Jesus said, woman, your faith, your own faith made you whole. Now we're in Mark chapter 5, flip over to chapter 11. And I'm showing you how to turn hopeless situations around. There's principles here. Number one, we see, you got to get the right information. And you know that might mean you might have to shut off Google for a while. Might have to shut off Facebook for a while. Might have to shut off social media for a while. You might have to shut off some time-stealing activities for a while. There might be some things you do that are good things... But they're not faith producing things. It might be things you do, they're not sin, but they don't produce faith. In other words, you might you might have some things that take place during normal church service times that you've done for so many years you don't know how to break away from it. But if you're facing crisis in life, you might have to tell the people, you know what? I've not be coming on Wednesday nights for a while because I got, I got I got to get to church. I need answers. And I've got to get to church because on, on Wednesday night they teach faith, and I've got to get to where faith's taught. Or you might be tough, hey guys, uh, I'm not going to be able to be, be over there on Sunday nights anymore. I have to get to where help is. I've got to get to church. I've got to get to church because that's where my answer is. I've said sometimes you have to make some choices you've got to do. Then you get to Mark to chapter eleven, look at these look at these faith principles. Verse twenty two, and Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Well, that's a good place to start, isn't it? But do you know that the original talk here says, Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Or use your faith like God used His faith. And then in verse 23, Jesus explains how God's faith began to work in Genesis chapter 1. And this principle carries right on through to where we are today. He said, Use the God kind of faith. Verse 23 says, Verily I say unto you... That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and I circle the word say because Jesus is telling us how to use the faith that God gave us. How many know that God put faith in your heart from the Word of God? You know, I I think about some of the new Christians in here that they can look at your life from where you were a few months ago or maybe a year ago or whatever, however, however long you've known Jesus. Think about where you are then, about what you thought faith was, if you even thought about it. I didn't think about it as far as a Christian. But as soon as I got born again, I knew I had faith in God in my heart. I knew it. I didn't really know what to do with it how to how to get it bigger. Well, I'm, I'm teaching about this tonight. But I knew I had it. And so then, right here, Jesus is telling how to release your faith. The first thing you do, he says right here, Whosoever shall say to this mountain. Now the mountain represents an immovable, impossible obstacle in your way. And I don't know about you, but when you got a three and a half year old son that has leukemia and is crippled, that's pretty immovable to me it was. Two years ago, when I had 70% of my blood had cancer in it, and then a 99% a blockage in my main artery of my heart. That was pretty immovable. That was a mountain. But I learned how to move mountains. I've learned how to move mountains. Praise God. I'm jumping and shouting and praising God now. Got a big farm thing. We're working out there. Get ready to go to Peru and preach at a big conference down in Peru. I don't have 70% blood cancer anymore. I don't have a 99% blockage anymore. I got healthy blood. I got a healthy heart, and my faith hath made me whole. Because I learned off this woman's story how her faith made her whole, and so my faith has made me whole, and your faith doing these things will make you whole and give you the answer. So he says, Whosoever shall say, shall say unto this mountain, this impossible problem, be thou removed. That's pretty positive, isn't it? Tell him what to do. Didn't say, oh, this is so impossible. Oh, this is so impossible. Oh, this this is just so impossible. This is so hard. No, Jesus said, the faith of God says, be removed. And be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. I think if there's one thing, if I get this one thought, through to the Christians that are here tonight, it'll change your life forever, where your faith will never fail again. There's a difference between your heart and your dumb head. Do you think when I had a a three-and-a-half-year-old son that was crippled, had leukemia, and had all those needles stuck in him, all those gauges around him, all those things there, you think my head wasn't doubting? You think every time those doctors told me what the odds were that my head wasn't saying, but in my heart, where Jesus lived, my heart said, no, with God, nothing's impossible. My heart said, no, Jesus is the answer. My heart said, no, Jesus is going to do that. And so it says, whosoever shall say, and shall not doubt in his heart. When I went through very serious financial problems in life, you think my head didn't shout every time the bank talked to me. Every time I saw that negative balance, and saw those bills coming. My head was hit with doubt, but Jesus shall not doubt in his heart. I just had to close my eyes, look to my heart, look to Jesus, and say, Jesus, like King David said, in Psalms 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hidden in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. And so the word was in my heart, and so I did what Jesus said, this verse right here, said, shall not doubt in his heart, But shall believe, that's called faith. Shall believe that those things which he saith. Shall believe that those things which he saith. Shall believe that those things which he saith. Not those things which he he thinketh. Not those things which he hopeth. Not those things that he he wanteth. But those things which he saith. Those which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have Whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, I doubt if God will ever do that for me. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well the doctors said that here's what the percentages are. Well the doctors told me, I think on David it was eighty twenty, they said eighty percent of eighty percent of these kids die, twenty percent live. I said, Well guess what? He's one of the 20. Somebody comes to me and said, you know what, Pastor? The doctor just said, for what they diagnosed me with, 99% of them die. And I said, well, glory to God, in that good news? That means 1% live and you're the one. <laughs> Why don't Christians get more answers to their faith? Because they don't grab a hold of the very faith principles that Jesus told us makes it work that woman Jesus said thy faith has made you whole that woman said that woman said when I touch his garment I shall be whole and Jesus said well good news you're cooperating with me because you said you'll be whole when you touch the garment you'll have whatsoever you say you know i just i just want to challenge you right now for what you look at in life i want you to stop and think about whatever it is in your life you're looking at that looks impossible, what are you saying about it? Are you saying, that's a big mountain? Or are you saying, that's a big God bigger than the mountain? You know, I think about David and Goliath. I always think about David and Goliath. The different perspectives of how different Christians look at things. Think about this, what I'm going to say. Don't go to sleep on me now. Don't clock out. Don't clock out yet. We're not off the clock yet. Think about David and Goliath. When you read the story of David and Goliath, it says that every day Goliath, great big giant, however tall he was, nine foot tall or something, nine and a half foot tall, great big giant of a man, a mountain, a mountain on feet. The armor he wore weighed more than most of the soldiers weighed on the Israel army. He come out there every day, asked like the three pigs, what a huff and puff and blow your house down. Come out every day and threaten them. And David was about a 16-year-old boy that all his job was to bring, bring, bring lunch out to the army, to his brothers in the army. Brought it out every day. Every day that John came out there. Said, I'm going to kill you. And every day, the soldiers all run. Israel soldiers run. The Jews run. They run and hid. Because they saw that great big giant. Well, David was the shepherd boy that wrote so many psalms that out there taking care of the sheep. And so David sat out there at night, he'd look at the stars. He'd look around everything around there, he'd talk to God. And God talked to him. And so David came out there then, and David said, me and God's taking that giant down. Right. What was the difference? Israel, now listen to this, this may identify where you're at right now. Listen real close. Israel saw a great big giant and a little bitty God. David saw a great big God, and a little bitty giant compared to God. Your problem you're facing right now in life are maybe people you want to help in life. Got to change the perspective of what you're seeing. How big is your God? Is he bigger than the cancer? Is he bigger than the family dispute? Is he bigger than the financial loss? Is he bigger than the bill? Jesus is the answer for everything. And so, one more time, look at this. I want you to notice the value of words. Verse 23 I say unto you, whoever shall say, there's the saying. And if this about, be thou removed, be thou cast to sea. Shall not doubt his heart, but shall believe. There's the believing. So there's talking about it one time, believing one time. Those things which he saith, there's twice talking about it. Shall cut the passage, shall whatsoever he saith, three times talking about it. So Jesus told a man of God one time that I highly respect. He said, you got to teach the people, be talking three times more than you're believing. Your believing is so important. It's easy to do the believing part, but then the saying part. you got to be three times more talking about it than you are believing about it. You're believing it. you got to start talking. And the more you're talking, you're shutting the head off. Your words are out there so God can move. But you got to shut the head off, and you got to keep on talking about it. And that's not just positive, positive confession. That's not just being a positive person. That's a spiritual law. And so let's go back and close down now. In Mark chapter five, how this woman's hopeless situation got turned around. Verse twenty nine, she heard, she acted on the word, she wasn't self deceived, and then she said, at verse twenty nine, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, as she felt in her body, she was healed of that plague. So this woman received her healing when she acted on the word of God, and then in verse thirty four when he says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. That word whole right there comes from the word shalom. How many here have been around like you heard the word shalom. Well, that's a Hebrew word. He spoke to the, he spoke to the Jews. Shalom is a covenant word. It means nothing broken, nothing missing. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Her fortunes were restored. God financially blessed her because shalom covers everything. So the woman was healed, money restored, She's back to a productive life. Having and enjoying life again. And so I want to tell you, for wherever you are in life right now, no matter what it looks like, your faith in God will turn your hopeless situation around. If you do what this woman did, you'll have what she got. You will receive miracles in your life. You'll receive blessing in your life. Your life will turn around and then you can give glory to God too because Jesus is the answer to everything that you'll ever face in this life. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.